Hey everyone, this is Angie Wachowski and you are listening to Bet On You Radio. And this is the place where we like to feature, and I say this all the time, people I consider are ordinary, extraordinary individuals. Cool people who are doing really cool things and through their stories, hopefully you're hearing something that inspires you to do some more cool stuff too. Today, I have a really special guest, and for those of you who know me, know that I served in the Marines. So whenever I get to feature another Marine, it's kind of like a geek out moment. So I've got Brad Graft here with me. He served in the United States Marine Corps, and this is really fun. He also owns Pirate's Cove Golf Course. Not just course, though, courses, multiple courses in the United States. So we'll talk a little bit about that, too. But really, before we jump into all the fun things you've done in the military and life, and you're a writer too, like you do all sorts of really cool stuff, I would love to hear, Brad, about your life. Did you grow up here? You know, we grew up uh, downstate in Midland. Okay. So your typical uh, suburban upbringing, I suppose. What did your parents do? Practically the whole town worked for Dow Chemical. Yeah. So my dad was a a quality assurance manager for Dow, and my mom was, uh, I guess, an administrator for the most part. But oh, they both worked for Dow Chemical. They both, which was pretty typical. Did you vacation up in northern Michigan? How the heck did you come up here? You know, we uh, we bought a cabin up in Elk Rapids in uh, in the late seventies, and uh, yeah, that's what's got us up here. And and we kind of always knew we were going to come back here to live if we possibly could. Was it just you? Did you have siblings? Yeah, I've got an older sister, and uh, that's three years older, and a twin brother. So. Oh, are you identical? We are. Really? Yeah. Like, if he was sitting next to me, we wouldn't be able to, or sitting next to you, I wouldn't be able to tell you apart, or has life changed things? <laughs> <laughs> we look we look similar. He'd have a a, a more uh, colorful response to that question, but yeah, no, we look we look we look very similar still. What was it like being raised with a twin? Was it like a best friend buddy built in or was it not that way at all? Was it like best friends worst enemies? Both, you know? He was the, I mean, just think about engaging in mortal combat with somebody who's exactly your same size and strength and mentality. Um, so it was a lot, of, a lot of good fights, but, but in the end, I mean, we're business partners. I work with them every day still and uh, teammates on every sport. So, you know, he's more than a, you know, more than a brother. He's a friend for sure. Oh, and, and a yeah. business partner. Yeah. That is incredible. Yeah. Are you two alike personality wise? Uh, no, probably not. You know, he, uh, you know, when I joined the Marine Corps, he, he was kind of on this, uh, um, pre-graduate school, uh, you know, hippie vacation for a year, <laughs> you know, picking apples and, uh, and, 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 and scuba diving for his food in Australia and New Zealand. And, so he, uh, he got a little bit of the wild child in him, and uh, I was getting you know beaten down in the Marine Corps for the most part. So can we talk about that? Because again, we get to talk about the Marine Corps. I'm fed on your radio. So you have this average, what you would call like average upbringing, middle Michigan, and you obviously had a choice to go to college. How did this Marine Corps concept come up to you? You know, I think, I think probably what happened was I intended all along to try to play some college football. And my twin brother did. And uh, I ended up getting a pretty serious neck injury. Oh, when you were in high school? Yeah, at age 17. Oh, and it gosh. pretty much ended the football career. And you would think that that would end my the possibility of serving in the Marine Corps too. But I've got a waiver. so You can get a waiver for anything. Yeah, right. And <laughs> yeah, so I, I was just fortunate in that, in that way. But uh, the Marine Corps, even... Probably not a real noble reason to, to join initially, but it was it was certainly to take the place of football. 
and the, the team, the team, you know, the camaraderie and the teammates and all that stuff. Did you have family who'd served in the military? You know, my, my dad also suggested it. He did Army ROTC, and I think he didn't really have an idea what the Marine Corps was all about. I think he, you know, I think after college he served just a couple years, and he was in some kind of developing some missile program. So I think once I started telling him stories about what the training was like, what OCS was like, and, and the basic school, as you know, a um, little more intense, and he was just like, oh, boy. <laughs> maybe, maybe that wasn't such a great suggestion. <laughs> well, it's a different sort of branch. It's the smallest um, of all services. We as Marines tend to think that it's the hardest of all, but I'm sure if you were in the Army or Navy SEAL or something, you may disagree with us too. But it's not just something you wake up one morning and say, you know, I think I'm going to join the Marines. I mean, it's a process. So you went to Miami of Ohio right. and you had an ROTC scholarship. Is that true? Actually, I went in with no scholarship. Oh, really? Yeah, I had to get straight A's to get a three and a half year scholarship. So, I wasn't the best student in high school, but I just kind of, kind of, you know, got down to business and uh, and got the scholarship. So, yeah, it, for, for three and a half years, and it worked out pretty well. That worked out really well. So yeah. you're going to school, and that's a hard process to go through too. Even you know, getting you know, focus on your grades in college going into the Marine Corps and getting your scholarship. What happens when you graduate and then you have a four-year commitment in the Marine Corps? What were you anticipating as far as your life? Were you hoping to live overseas? Were you hoping to, I don't know, go to combat situations? Like, What, what did you want to get out of the Marine Corps experience? You know, it, honestly, we had already... We were already knee-deep in Pirate's Cove by that time. We Really? Yeah, so from age 16 on... You know, we were working summers, um, not only doing manual labor at construction sites, but also uh, managing the one in town here um, so during college. So talk about that, though, for a second. So yeah. Pirate's Cove was your dad's brainchild? Like, how, how did that come up? You know, we used to vacation in Myrtle Beach, which is sort of the home of, of these more elaborate miniature golf courses. Mm -hmm. And my dad, uh, he tracked down um, one of the gentlemen that, that, uh, that built um, these courses and there's only there was only two or three at the time and long story short we dragged him up here to Michigan and he uh, he built the first one for us and pretty much taught us how to run it and uh, the rest is sort of history we kind of you know grew the rest um, you know w one course at a time two courses at a time for you know really for 30 years and how many courses today there's there's, there's 24 and then there's another there's another 10 from a sort of a sister company called Pirates Island. So 16-ish, your dad decides to bring Pirates Cove or start Pirates Cove up here in northern Michigan. And I remember that because I grew up yeah, in the right. region and I remember the construction and it looked like it was a big deal happening in this community. I mean, I'm sure it was met with wild success right out the gate too. And that was your family. It was. It was. And that was you. What were you doing? Taking tickets at the time, cleaning up the course, manicuring the lawns. What was your jobs for the summer? Yeah, we, we were, uh, you know, it was 1983. No, we were knee deep in the construction. We were helping uh, lay sod and, and wheelbarrowing, you know, concrete and laying pavers for the for the sidewalks. So pretty much everything. We, we really grew up, um, you know, manual as manual laborers, my brother and I. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, throwing rocks. Yeah. No wonder yeah. No wonder you wanted to go into the military. Let me get out of here. Yeah, I was used to being a prisoner. <laughs> <laughs> With your dad, though, I mean, do you appreciate the significant risk he took to do that? And like leaving, perhaps assuming a stable career at Dow Chemical 
to start this business did and, and make it a family business? Like, do you, looking back, kind of appreciate his mindset and what he was thinking? Yeah, big time. Yeah, it, um, you know, second mortgage on the house. You know, the, you know, big capital expenditure on the front end, and uh, and not sure. You know, the, these kind of courses would um, cash flow in the south, but nobody nobody thought they would work in the north. So. Um, yeah, it was a huge, huge risk. How much of that were you exposed to as a late teen? Was it like your dinner time conversations? You were learning about all the stresses that they had? Yeah, I mean, I, I, it was, I don't really think we were second generation. We were in it with them. I can remember uh, in the spring of, of 83, you know, the uh, Tom, our, our construction manager, you know, leaving for the day and it's pouring rain. And he's like, and, we're, and my dad and I were looking, we were looking at him and like, well, what can we do? you know, to keep, keep the ball moving. He's like, you know, stick, literally stick these rocks into this wire mesh because every rock that you put in is less concrete. We're going to have to spray the next day. So it was, uh, you know, we were trying to pinch pennies and we were, uh, bloodying our hands in it right from the get go. That is incredible story. I think that those are sometimes the not so glamorous stories that people think about with business ownership. Like we see the success of your business today, but people don't often get to exposure into what it took to build what you had today. Right. What an what incredible thing. So you're in your teens. You do decide to go off to college. You go into the Marine Corps. How long did you serve? Uh, just my four years. Did you have any thought of doing more than that? Or were you just pretty satisfied <laughs> with your four? You know, the, it was going well. I mean, I certainly could have stayed in and... Uh, I had a company commanded as a first lieutenant, which isn't which wasn't normal. So I was no. I was fortunate. Um, I just knew that. Uh, I guess this is you know maybe this isn't the right thing to say, but I didn't really want to be a major. I didn't want to be a staff officer. Um, I wanted to stay close to the to the mission. Um, I, lo- I love serving you know side by side with enlisted Marines and, and doing the dirty work with them. And I knew that you know every year that went by, that kind of stuff was going to happen less and less. I think. Yeah. 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 Company command was really the last chance to be, you know, where you see Marines every day and they're not so intimidated once you, you know, get, get more, more brass on your shoulders. That sounds a lot like my husband's story that once he, he was enlisted and then he went in and went back and then he just saw his future and he's like, no, it's going to get me further away from the people and the jobs that I love the most. This was probably a good time to transition out. And you had a job waiting for you. I did. I did. Um, yeah, I was fortunate that way. So you left the Marines and came back to work at Pirates Cove. Now you're working with your brother, you're working with your dad. And what are you doing? We're, we're actually developing, you know, know, more than a handful of new courses. So as soon as I got out, it was, you know, I hit the ground running and we built two new, two new, new locations and, um, expanded the ones that were doing well. And it's just, it was pretty much just a, you know. Of a steady sprint for another 10 years. What did you learn in the Marine Corps to prepare you for business ownership or business operations at this level? You know, I'd say the, the I think you would say the same. I mean, the, the first thing was just the Marine Corps teaches you how to be miserable. So, <laughs> you know, so, you know what I mean? So it's yeah. not, and not just lack of sleep and, and uh, being hungry and cold and wet and all that stuff, but just, you know, you know what it feels like to be working seven days and, and, uh, and, and literally feel like a prisoner. You're, you know, um, I think that in combined with being a young officer, you're used to being, 
in over your head into, into a job. You're like, how in the world am I at this age in charge of a million dollars worth of gear, millions of dollars worth of gear and the lives of these, of these young men, you know, I wasn't, didn't feel worthy. Um, and was, you know, scared often never showed it of course. But, um, so I think that background really helped, you know, showing up on a construction site and, and Willie, our construction manager having to leave and I have to take over. It wasn't very intimidating, you know, after, uh, after what we had done. I was thinking about that the other day, actually, about the level of responsibility when I, I was stationed in Hawaii because, you know, somebody has to do that. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, okay, country, I will serve for you in that capacity. <laughs> but we, but my friends were helicopter pilots and we did the school program and we would take the helicopters to these schools. And I was like my early twenties coordinating these massive programs that most people in their forties wouldn't get that level of responsibility and coordinating helicopters. And we're just flying over the islands. And these are my buddies, right. you know, we do the thing and then we go to the bars later that night and you know, we're supposed to tell anybody that, but, yeah. and then you go to the private sector and it's a big shift because it would have taken again. I was leading 30 people and suddenly you don't get that type of responsibility until ever often in the private sector. So yeah, I agree. Cool. So you also are a writer. When did this happen? Because you sound as if, again, being miserable with work, it seems to be <laughs> like this monk-like experience for you that you're just kind of with it. But you also have just interesting hobbies as well. So you're not just a worker and business operator. Right. Yeah, I like to extend my pain into my uh, free time as well, which <laughs> the, the writing life is a monk life, uh, monk's it life as well. It is hard and lonely and sad and frustrating, but yeah. fulfilling it in minutes, right? Right. Yeah, we were we were talking about Steve Pressfield before uh, before we went on air, and and uh, I essentially just I was always reading a lot of history books, and a friend gave me a book called Gates of Fire, which was uh, historical fiction. And long story short, it, it that. I wrote Steve an email and then we became email chums and I tried to convince him to write on the Mamluks and the Mongols um, of, of uh, during the Middle Ages. And he kind of tossed the, the topic back at me and suggested that I write the book. And, you know, one thing led to another. And um, you know, What here. was one thing that led to another? Because people yeah, always say to right. me, how do you write a book, Angie? And I say, well, you sit down and you write a book. And then you delete your sentences and then you go back right. and you do that. But what was the moment? Because you can quit at any point in the process. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, you know, those are good points. I mean, it was, I had already read a bunch of historic, just historical facts and, and, uh, and some research material on the main looks, but then I didn't think I had an enemy to write a novel. I wasn't, I wasn't professionally trained. I didn't, you know, my, my major in college wasn't English or writing. It was, it was a uh, business, but I just, I just, just step by step. I started researching. I started reading, you know, higher level academic, um, material on the main Luke's and, um, read books on how to write fiction and just sort of started self teaching, you know, and then, uh, Ten like thousand hours, yeah, right? exactly. 10, yeah, and just you know, like you said, you write the rough draft; it's junk. You rewrite it; that one's a little better. And by the tenth version, you, you've got something. Got to, something. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're gonna take a break right now. Okay. We come back. I'm gonna ask you my five favorite questions, okay. and we'll wrap her up. Hey everyone, this is Angie Wachowski. I'm one of the co-authors of Bet on You. This is the companion to the radio program. So if you're enjoying what you're listening to, check out this book. Inside there's some really great guidance and a code 
that takes you to an online platform that helps you dream better and imagine ways that you can bet on yourself. Check it out. Hey everyone, this is Angie Witkowski and this is Bet On You Radio. And I've got Brad Graff sitting with me now, author, Marine veteran, owner of Pirates Cove, and I'm sure you've got a few other hobbies in there in between. But we were talking about writing. So you sit down and you write and you rewrite and you rewrite. And your books are not short. You gave me a book this summer and I'm like, wow, this is significant. I need a lot of time to read this. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. I'm excited to, to dive into it. But you, what's your process? Yeah, I think the, the process isn't magical, really. It's, uh, it's, it's exactly what you said. I mean, I've, I've already done the, the historical research I need to do and, and the travel. I mean, I traveled to, uh, to Mongolia and the Middle East and uh, trying to add some authenticity to the stories. But for the most part, it's just a grind just like life is. So, I mean, I just try to get up as early as I can and uh, pound out two hours. And, and some of those two-hour sessions are more productive than others, but I just know that I'm you know, just continuing to move the ball forward. I think that's a really key piece when you're writing is you have to commit to disciplines. And going back to the military, that's one of the things that I learned most. And in my work teaching you know, leadership development to professionals, I think everybody wants to talk about vision or innovation and all these flashy things. Nobody really wants to talk about the grind necessary to be successful. And that's where that discipline word comes in. And that's, again, a significant carry away. Like if you want to get good at anything, you have to put the time in. There's just no shortcut to hard work. Yeah, that's it. And you wake up at like four in the morning, don't you, to write? I wake up at five. And oh, so, yeah, slacker. yeah, my, I'm a slacker, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'd be lost. It almost feels like at this point I'd be lost to, to not, you know, knock it out in the morning and, and then go to work. It's just become such a habit for like 15 years now, I guess it's been. Really? So this is what you do pretty much every morning is right. How many books do you have? Uh, I've written three novels and I'm working on the fourth right now. So That is great. Do you take a break in between? No, you know, and even, you know, I mentioned Steve Pressfield's my mentor, his, uh, his philosophy is uh, drink half a warm beer and, and get started on the next one the next morning. That's pretty much his way of celebrating uh, finishing a book. <laughs> Otherwise, you lose your mojo. You do. It's definitely a perishable skill set. Yep. And you get, oh, and what a great mentor to have with the process. Pressville, that's quite great. So you, we're now up to my five favorite okay. questions. Are you ready? Sure. I would love to hear about a book that inspired you. And it could very well be one of Steve Pressfield's, but talk about a book that came to you at one point in your life. Yeah, I think it, I think it is one of Steve Pressfield's, uh, um, I think it was his second novel called Gates of Fire. And I'd always been, uh, like I mentioned, uh, just a, a, a nonfiction reader and, and uh, this book just grabbed me. It's, uh, it's on the Marine Corps' um, required reading list for, I think for Corporal and, Corporal and Above, really. And, uh, well, of course I've read it. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. I remember it. <laughs> yeah. But I'm sure if it wasn't for that book and if it, if it wasn't for reaching out to him later and him sort of encouraging me at every step of the, of the way, actually, to, to, you know, to keep driving and, and give it a go, that I wouldn't, uh, I, wouldn't have been, I wouldn't become a writer. What about the book grabbed you? Uh, it's, he, you know, I'm, I'm not mimicking what he's done, but I'm certainly following his lead as far as adding as much authenticity and, and just really hammering home the the uh, the details about you know, the equipment that the, the soldiers carried, um, mixing in, you know, wherever there are gaps in my knowledge, just applying what I learned in the Marine Corps 
and the personalities I, that I came across in the Marine Corps. And, uh, I could tell that's exactly what he, he had done. And, um, yeah, so that book just, it just grabbed me and, and I didn't know at the time, but it, uh, it's the second path that I've chosen based on, you know, so that book really, it, it was, it was important for me. It sounds as if with your work in general and your writing specifically, that there's something about honoring history and getting it right that drives you. It's, that's so true. Yeah. It's, uh, it's critical. I just, a, a friend of mine forwarded a link. There's a, um, an English lady named Martell and her, her point was, uh, that her job, um, writing historical fiction starts when the historical facts end. And that's kind of the way, that's kind of the way it is. I mean, there's, there's the historical story and then the key is to, can you make an interesting story around the historical figures and some new characters that you develop that make the history even more, you know, interesting and, and readable for, um, the common folk. I think, and then again, being able to understand your past and to make it more palatable for people who don't want to just go straight to history books. That's right. Second question. Okay. Can you share a piece of feedback that was illuminating to you? I can. And, I, and, and uh, Jessica had given me that question on the front end. I thought about it. And, and I think it, it was actually negative feedback. I, when I went to uh, OCS, I was actually medically uh, disqualified and a um, medical doctor a Navy doctor, no fault of his own. We, we were sitting, uh, um, in the, you know, the, the, the medical room and he pointed out the window and a bunch of Marines at OCS were out, you know, training and he's, and he pointed at them and he said, uh, he goes, those are, those are pros. He goes, you know, given your neck injury and the, and the problem, the following problems you have, you know, he goes, that's not you. And, uh, it just, it just, you know, it, initially I just felt bad and, but later on it fueled me. And uh, I had a whole year off and, and came back and was able to, to get a second chance to go to OCS. And, uh, yeah, so that, that negative feedback was actually my... Uh, Tell me I can't do something. Exactly. Dare yeah. me not to do yeah, something. Yeah. And OCS, though, is, for those of you listening, it's the Officer Candidate School. So it's the boot camp like experience that is oh so lovely for officers to go through. But obviously, that was a pretty powerful turning point to get right. that dare and challenge. So this is these are more local questions. I'd love to hear from you. And you can't say Pirate's Cove because <laughs> I know that's going to be your number and answer. Yeah. But what do you like to do? in this community, what's an activity or a place that you find really enjoyable for you? Yeah, just outside. I mean, we're, my brother and I are, are kind of diehard fly fishermen and I do a little bit of hunting as well. So, um, Linda and I paddle a lot. So just, just anything outdoors is, is great. Mm -hmm. oh, I mean, we live in like an amazing place for that. And then where do you like to eat out? What's a favorite restaurant in this region? That you Linda's a good cook. We don't eat out much. But I've got these morsels in front of me, and that's, that's my favorite little cafe, for thank sure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the plug. We appreciate it always. <laughs> Go over there. You can see another Marine um, actively working and learning how to be miserable at work. Well. <laughs> he, but he doesn't show it. He's really got great customer service. Yeah. Final question. One piece of advice that you'd like our, that you could pass along to our listeners today, something that you've picked up and you think is worthy of sharing. Yeah, I, and we've kind of touched on it, but I think, uh, you know, hard work will will overcome most of your deficiencies. And, uh, 
if you just, you know, if you just grind away, I think some of the people listening are, are thinking about starting businesses. And if, you know, there are a lot of businesses out there that aren't run very well. And uh, if you're willing to, to jump in and, and, and take a level of service higher than what you've seen and just work at it and, uh, and ask people for help, um, you'd be surprised what you can do. I love that. And I loved hearing about your dad and bringing the family into the suck. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what we learned in the Marine Corps. Embrace the suck. Well, Brad, thank you so much for being on Bet On You Radio. It's great to see you here. I look forward to seeing you further out in the community. And don't forget, folks, he's an author. So what are the name of your books? It's the Brotherhood of the Main Luke series. There you go. Purchased on Amazon? You bet. Awesome. Have a great rest of the day, folks. Talk to you soon. Bye.